Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode 40. There was some humor going on about that earlier, but it escapes me. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion, and today I'm joined by Adam Sink. What up, Adam? Not a lot. How's everybody doing? Doing great, man. I think I'm going to start calling you Adam the Genius Sink because people call you a genius a lot. Have you noticed that? I have not. Oh, Do I people have. people call me a genius? All right. Oh, on the internet. They are sadly call, mistaken. People call you a fucking genius. But Ben's already, and he's with us too, everybody, Ben motherfucking Bailey. What's up, everybody? So we can only have one motherfucker in this, in this, in this, in this thing. So you're just gonna be the genius. Okay, I like this. I like yeah, this. right. Don't you think? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. Yours isn't particularly literal. I don't want anybody to think that that's literal. So are wait, you wait, gonna wait, be like wait, the wait, creator, wait, like wait, Tyler, wait, wait. the creator? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no. Is this story time now? <laughs> ben. That's, there, there's story time and then there's storytelling there's, there's, time. There's a, uh, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. coworkers, you know, like. What? <laughs> oh, Mark. 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 Anyway. All right. Enough inside jokes. Enough never inside jokes. Yeah, he would never listen. No inside jokes. We're done with that shit. All right. On to the real shebang. So it's been a month since we've been on. This is our kind of new monthly schedule as, um, I mean, FMRPG was always monthly. We just are no longer doing the Shadow Sworn show. It's on hiatus until next year. Uh, and we're taking that extra time to do a lot of writing. Uh, everybody here is writing like motherfuckers, right? Yes. And I'm writing like a motherfucker. Ben, are you writing? I am. I think I did about 4,000 words this weekend. Good, man. And Adam, Damn. how are you getting any writing in? I have gotten some writing in, uh, but I have sadly letting there let a lot of it lapse to do things like inktober and some other stuff you so. are you are on a tear with the inktober I, i'm kicking the inktober in the teeth as much as i can and so i'm trying to trying to get that out and, and be creative and in that milieu so. good good yeah. so it's not like we're doing nothing um there's a lot going on uh everybody's very very caught up in different projects and i it's interesting it's fun to be busy and it's it's nice to have so much going on to stay on top of that you literally don't have time to do Warhammer, you know? Because I, I have personally found in my life that Warhammer is a huge distraction. Warhammer, I have allowed Warhammer to be the thing that distracts me from a lot of different stuff. Warhammer will take up as much time as you allow it to take oh, up. Well, yeah, Warhammer is it's like a... It's a pretty it's, good it's like, statement there. Right? It's like one of those fish that grows to the size of the tank. Right. And if you give it a great big tank, then it will get that big. Um, which is not to say that I don't love it, but we'll get back. To, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so, hey guys, uh, a little little question, little little question for you guys. Something that I have been thinking about as I drive around, right? Um, so do you guys consider yourselves to be traditional gamers, or do you consider yourselves to be indie gamers at this point? What do you guys think? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a tough one to answer. Um, right? It's it's uh, there's there's some betwixts and betweens. I guess in there. I have an aversion to the idea of, of quote unquote indie gaming. The same way I have the aversion to like the terms like hipster and like you know what I mean, like uh, I, or I, LARP. Or <laughs> elaborate, elaborate on that, Ben. That that that's a valid experience, and I want to hear about it. I mean, I I don't. I guess I, I, I approach games pretty much equally, whether they're indie or not. You know, I, I'm happy to play games in general. Um, and I don't feel like... I feel like there's this certain type of person who, like, who like you know, quote-unquote, only plays indie games, and they, they, like, they can't be bothered to, like, talk about anything that's not, like, 
the newest indie game or you know like fuck that like play games that are fun you know doesn't matter who developed them when they were developed whatever play them fun okay but in your collection what's your collection predominantly made up of would you say well the largest second edition white wolf (laughs) no no, my my largest my largest collection of books is from artel storian um cyberpunk yeah i have a full run of cyberpunk uh, nearly uh, uh, that's the 20 uh, the the second edition 2020 I have most of the third edition and I have all of cybergen so that would probably be my largest run of books right now I think that cyberpunk would definitely count as a traditional game though it would and so what other stuff do you have on your shelf is it traditional or is it indie well what do you like running the most though because it seems like when you run stuff you run an awful lot of indie stuff right well does he i don't know kuro's kuro would not count as an indie game really no that had no it was a cubicle seven game yeah Hmm. it just they just lost the rights to us i can't publish it anymore but i guess what's the standard for indie games then because i think of indie as anything that's not one of like the larger companies like steve jackson or that's what's so funny is wizards or white wolf i I think when we had uh john wick on here like Mm -hmm. a million years ago i could be ascribing to john wick wisdom that was not john wicks just because of who he is right but so forgive me if i'm misquoting someone here but um someone was saying like was saying this whole idea of indie gaming is kind of absurd because all gaming is essentially indie gaming with the exception of Dungeons and Dragons, which is the only game that's really owned by like a multinational corporation. All the rest of them are essentially little tiny art house publishers. Well, White Wolf excluded because they were owned by CCP and now they're owned by Paradox. Paradox. So, or Paradox. So it's they're owned oh. by a corporation as well, an international sure. corporation. So okay. I would so- throw White Wolf in there as well. I, but like our Talsorian definitely falls into that like kind of our, our house kind of area. Yeah. So somebody was saying, I think the same, that very same person was saying, um, Steve Jackson is the biggest indie gamer ever. He's just a guy who publishes his own games right. and he has a huge brand behind so it. So is he an indie game? It, right. It, that's the question I have is, is how do we delineate what is indie and what is not? I will say when I run stuff, it only or comes when on I run zines stuff, and like, if you can get it like, like role playing fairs for like, yeah. See, when I've run stuff recently, I've run major, like, major companies' game lines, but with a twist. And so, you know, is that indie gaming or is that just me? I think that that's, I I, I think that the people who throw these words around, traditional gaming versus indie gaming, are the kinds of people who are generally pretty um, invested in the indie scene, first of all, because they're the ones that are drawing the delineation. You never hear people who play Pathfinder talk about indie gamers. It's like they don't even notice that they exist, you know? And I think that it depends a lot on the amount of systems that are in a game. It's my interpretation, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'll stand corrected if somebody wants to. But it seems to me like a lot of people who want to wave the indie flag are presenting story games that are low system not really compatible with campaign gaming they're more for like one shots two shots three shots if you start getting beyond that there it's outside the scope of their of their ability you know to really hold the story together um and they're and, and they're people who are they're not made by professional developers it's people who have day jobs and then on their nights and weekends they write games and then self-publish them essentially okay so I mean, but so then like say like 
John Wick is another example. Would he, he would fail that definition, right? Yeah, he would not. He would right. be he would be a traditional gamer. He'd be right? a trad gamer, right? So I guess if that is the standard, then I would call myself a traditional gamer yeah. more more than yeah. anything else. I think if you're judging by the content I put into the games, I'm more of an indie gamer. But I, I think what's interesting about this group in particular, this is one of the things I've been kind of learning, is that. I think we are all trad gamers, but I think that we come from an indie game ethos. Because what I think happened is, in the 1990s, the early 1990s, we all kind of discovered Masquerade Vampire at about the same time. And it was really influencing what it is we wanted to do with gaming. And at that time, White Wolf was kind of on this knife edge as to what direction it could go. It kept emphasizing... um, what are now considered to be like indie game kind of precepts of like rulings, not rules and story first over roles and um, characters over, over like archetypes. And, um, and I think that that was very invigorating to all three of us. And we all really wanted to explore more and more of that. And we kind of thought because white wolf was the thing that was in our face. This is all just a theory. And if you, if, 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 I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Because that was what was in our face, and the only, it was the only game in town in terms of indie that we knew of, and so we kind of thought that it was a White Wolf thing. We kind of conflated indie gaming with White Wolf gaming, and so we kind of like put ourselves on the like the White Wolf Express, and we just rode it for like twenty years. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then it turned out that those guys were hardcore trad gamers, right? And they, we didn't so, know something happened. Is they veered they, rather than going like full diceless and like smaller character sheets and stuff like that. They started getting into like very detailed rule sets for everything. I think that's what their audience started to demand, though. I mean, I remember reading the original Clan Book Bruja, which was the first clan book I ever owned and it was like an atomic bomb going yeah. off in my head totally you know there was a there was a template in the back of that that was just called iconoclast yeah you know, the, the, yeah the, the fist and yeah. the buzzed hair and the kmfdm and you're just going like yes i want to be part of yeah. that yeah um yeah it was it was it was one of those things where you just kind of looking back on it now you know you see yourself as a young person and just that mushroom cloud coming out of your head as you're right. reading it going oh my god i didn't know this was a thing but so I, you know, we've been kind of, kind of talking about our disenfranchisement from the white wolf experience over the past few episodes and what i've really been meditating on is i think that we are basically in the middle of like a, a sort of paradigm shift that's been a long time in coming for all of us where incrementally They've been feeding us more and more rules, more and more closed systems, more and more roll the dice to see what happens, and we've become less and less comfortable with it because we've always wanted to go in that other direction. Right. And so they went street to boardroom. They went venture to Bru- or from yeah. Bruja to venture. Like, and, and that's the thing is, as you look at it now, and you're going, I don't want to be part of venture. I right, be part right. of the old Bruja and so, on motorcycle riding Hellraisers, and that's not what they do anymore. And, and so here we are, like 20, 25 years into this great trip and we're jumping off the train we're kind of looking around and seeing like what's out here and we're like finding ourselves in indie game territory which kind of like like an anarchist commune or something they're all like got like dreads and they're cooking like vegan tofu and they're like welcome where you been and we're all like whoa are they that welcoming whoa (laughs) oh are they what no they're great these indie game guys they're great don't you think i've gotten a weird I get that weird kind of that lamentations vibe off of them where they're just like, you know, are you cool enough to be part of this or not? You know, there, there seems to be this 
edge that they have. And I don't mind it, but it's one of those interesting things that I've noticed is I'm like, oh, okay. So there is going to be this litmus test there is a litmus before test. I get involved in there this. There is a litmus Where you are going to check and see like, Oh, if you're a cop, are you a cop? Because if you're they, a cop, you got to tell that me. That is exactly because that's it. the law. You that have is, to tell me if you're a cop. I know, it. man. They are definitely they are definitely checking for squares, and they don't want to have anything to do with you. Yeah, for sure. And so there's this kind of thing where, like, the, how you behave at the table, and if you start showing trad gamer colors, they will be like, they will retract yeah. back into the shadows. <laughs> exactly. You're not one of us. Yeah. Get you out know? of here, narc. Yeah, yeah. That, so that is definitely a thing. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's a too cool for you vibe. I think it's a kind of a like, quit harshing my mellow, man. Like, Stop coming around here with all that that talk. You sound like my dad. Yeah. You know? That could be it. It's just I I have noticed it from dealing with them. It's one. It's it's a very interesting so your kind of dynamic. Just like, I just want you to understand, son. I didn't sell out. I bought in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's interesting is that the uh, the OSR cats have a different, another vibe. I feel I feel like you jump off. You jump off the the corporate the corporate role playing train, and there's these two little kind of shanty towns, and one of them is the indie game city, and it's full of like these like 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 neo hippie kids, right. and then like a couple streets over, there's another camp, and it's like the OSR guys, and they're like they're kind of like a bit more scary, you know. You can't tell if these guys are like hard right libertarians or not, you know, because the first thing they want to do is like get in your grill and be like, can you deal with me? Like, can you fucking take it? And you're just like, ah, you know, you know, like, whoa, they've got their own litmus test. They're like, here's a picture of a baby in a jar, you know, like, <laughs> does it, does it offend you? Are you shocked? And you're like, I'm a man. This yeah. is what a man sounds like. Yeah. This is how we talk. This is what we do. I eat food. <laughs> I eat fried meat. I feel things. I play, I play games. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think I've gone quite as far into the indie game territory as somebody like, say, Jim Miller has, you know, like the whole with lasers and feelings and that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Like he's definitely, as far as I'm concerned, the one who's kind of out there on the edge of sanity, you know, way out on the edge, pushing the boundaries. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm uh, finding some of the trails that like Jim Miller was telling us about previously. I'm like finding some of those paths. I'm like, oh, look, it's that. It's like, look at that little hobo mark. Like the indie gamers were here and I'm going down those paths. And I'm exploring some of this shit now. And it's a fascinating world. It's a fascinating world, especially when you come from trad world. Right. Because, um, I mean, we're so, we are so. so it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I feel like I want to mix, you know, I don't that, want. Yes. Because yes. the thing that kind of drives me crazy, we're talking about using your definition of indie games, right? The thing that drives me crazy is the, is the fact that these guys only want to play like. One shot to three shots, you know, like yeah, they're getting longer and they just don't want to do it, you know. And you're like, well, what if I want to have a fucking like epic tale here where you like get together and like tell some crazy stories over the course? We don't have to roll dice. I don't give a shit, you right. know. Like, I think, right. I think where we missed a lot of the boat was in con gaming because we never really did con gaming. We never did a lot of I always like, thought con gaming type chumps. Yeah, like we always, are, oh, I don't want to do that. I want, I want to tell stories. I want to be involved in a in an arc, you know. And we never did these one shots. We never did these like meat grinder type of dungeon things where we just grind through characters and it doesn't really matter. But I think I think cons are are even now kind of like strongholds of trad games. You know, with they like, can be. It's like you and I were at Gen Con and we went up onto that second floor and there yeah, was, that, that was that, the Pathfinder that, Society that room, where it was it was yeah. as big as a football field. It was just full of people playing Pathfinder. Just just I mean the the cacophony that was coming out of there. Right. So, so many people talked so about their like, their like drunken experience. monks. 
arrow builds. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that entire experience was like uh, an Aladdin moment for both of us. It was. Where we got onto the magic carpet. Yeah. And, you know, he's, I can show you, you the world. world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. And we're just going, wow, yeah. I had no Whoa. idea. <laughs> wow, a magic carpet ride. Yeah, it was It was pretty great. Where's my tiger? Yeah. It's just, pretty much. <laughs> I really wish I had that outfit. We, I could have just worn that the whole time. But um, I think that you probably could have met some women that way. The What, the Jasmine outfit? I don't think I would have met women Oh, I way. thought you were talking about the Aladdin outfit. No, I, I, I guess the Aladdin outfit, too. Either way. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Swing it however. I'm not, you know what? I'm not judging. You can wear whatever you want, man. Yeah, if you prefer Jasmine, that's fine, body. bro. I do yeah, what I want. That's fine. No, no judgment here. No judgment, dude. All no right. judgment. Support. That's good to know. Only support. Anyway, so yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Is yeah. I don't want it to be one way or the other. Like I, okay, I got these fucking Pathfinder books a couple of years ago. Um, I won them at this Iron GM thing, and I bought a couple to supplement my collection because we had so much fun playing Council of Thieves. But I'll tell you what, I have gotten to this point where the thought of playing Pathfinder literally nauseates me. Like, literally. Like, if somebody came up to me and was like, oh, dude, let's play Pathfinder, and let's just, like, grind out characters, and let's go from first to tenth, and let's, like, calculate the magic items. I'm just like, I started getting queasy. Like, I want to I got this sweet build, like, lined up. That's like, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Playing Pathfinder does not nauseate me. The average Pathfinder fan is what nauseates me. It's yeah. these dudes who come in there and go, I've got a gnome illusionist, and I figured out this feat tree I can take that but, will break the game. And you're I just mean, going, why? Thing, why is that what you want game, to do? The game is designed for that. You. I know. The game it is designed for, for that. that. And so it's like, it's for you to say like, oh, I want to play Pathfinder, but I don't want to deal with that shit. It's like, you don't really want to play Pathfinder. You have to imagine you on know? some level too, like all the like modules after a certain point were written with understanding people were doing that as well. You know? Yeah. Oh, they oh, definitely yeah, were. Definitely. D&D 4 suffered from the same exact problem where the power creep in that game was ridiculous. And as you went on, they just assumed that you were doing optimal builds and you could not survive adventures in a suboptimal build. Like I remember I built a character. I went into a game with these other people and every other encounter I was getting dropped, like killed every other encounter because I was not an optimal build. I wanted to role play an interesting character archetype and that just did not fit in that game just because it was oh sorry you're not tuned to do maximum damage so you're not going to live but all that having been said and i think maybe it's just like the neural pathways that have been carved through my brain over the course of 20 25 30 years of gaming there is something about having a character sheet that i get to fill out you know and i get to cultivate it over time i get to you know i get to work it get to acquire resources on mine manage them you know like i don't want it to be too simple i don't want to be like oh i have three stats that's it that's all i need like i, I want to have variety of play i want to have depth you know what i'm saying i want is as much as i as much as i disdain people who go through the merits and flaws to build to build combos and stuff i still want to sit there and go through merits is and this flaws why, is this why you, is this one of the reasons why you didn't like the cards for i am a zombie oh yeah this the cards really bother me there's this thing going on in gaming right now where it's like oh let's take other tactile shit and put it into your role-playing game like let's play with jenga towers or candles or and and then like the playing card motif is like fucking everywhere and i just really don't like it yeah i I like my character sheet started with 
as far as I can remember, at least my first experience with it was Gamma World 7th Edition, where it had the cards where it was, oh, you know, these cards yeah. are your Omega mutations or your Alpha mutations. And your that's Omega the thing. Did, Aces, did the original Aces Nades have a system for that with cards and stuff? I think that, uh, that was just a Deadlands, deck of cards, right? Deadlands yeah, did yeah. and still does because Deadlands is apparently just Savage Worlds. They're like the same thing. Yeah, there's a lot and, of LARPs that use cards too, as well. And, and I remember. When Deadlands was new, thinking that was like kind of a cool gimmick, like mm-hmm. oh, kind of, that's kind of neat. You got yeah. these card hands, but the idea of sitting there and not having dice, and I like have a hand of cards, and I play cards instead of dice, I'm like, I, I'm just locked into this thing where I, I think part of the experience is I sit at the table with my friends, I got my piece of paper character sheet, not some digital shit that I'm filling in on a pad, but my piece of paper character sheet, got my mechanical pencil, and then I roll some fucking plastic dice. And I like that. I just really like that. And I have a hard time not doing LARPing that. Was it, so, you know, rock, paper, scissors. And I'm like, I don't yeah, see, rock, that's, paper, scissors. Here's the thing. I just want to do yeah. dice. Yeah. The, problem, the, problem with, the same problem with LARP is the same problem with the Jenga Tower. It's like, it's like it's not really a randomization system. It's like a skill game. Yeah. Right, because like, because there is, there's like, there's literally skill to to both those things, you right. know. Yeah. Like there, there's a fucking like rock paper scissors championship in Vegas, like right. After and the, and poker. the Jenga tower thing comes from. I think we've all been kind of looking at dread recently after some people brought it up to us to right. as a game to look at. And I talked to Richard Newby about it at uh, Crit Hit Sanity Loss over the weekend. Yeah, and he actually had a. A Jenga tower that he and he had the rules and everything and it, it was one of those things I was like oh this is an interesting idea I want to learn more about it um, the, 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 the idea that like because I've never I've never played a Jenga tower game I'll preface that was saying that but but uh, a Jenga tower role-playing game Jenga tower role-playing game. I played Jenga before like right. as a kid right right the idea Everybody that has. yeah but the idea that it kind of ratchets up the tension as long as the as the game goes on is kind of interesting to me however what isn't interesting to me is the fact that like if you suck at Jenga you're gonna collapse the tower every fucking time. I, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, uh, let's 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 just cut right to the bone here. It's a gimmick, right? right? It's a gimmick. It's a novelty gimmick. It doesn't actually do anything for role playing. You know, in fact, it's it it actually distracts from role playing by giving you this mini game that you can fixate upon. The idea is escalation, and there's other ways of doing escalation. Like one of the things in Thirteenth Age, which I'm planning to run soon, is there's an escalation die, and the idea is it keeps combat from dragging on too long. So essentially, after the first round of combat, you put a d6 out, and you put it on one, and then around three it goes to two, and around four it goes to three, all the way up to six. And it's a bonus that players add into their attacks every single time. Oh, that's kind of cool. So that they're hitting and they're right and they're winding down combat much faster than they are otherwise and it's a great idea yeah i gotta I think get this mechanically game. it works pretty well but it's another trad game here i am it is all, it's another track it's written so for another track is game. It, it you know is it an indie game it's not made by a major company but it is written by two of the principal it's designers Pelgrane. of dungeons and dragons third edition and fourth edition it's, it's so, Pelgrane. it's and, got it's got yeah it's, it's got a pretty pretty well-known pedigree so that's the thing is it's a trad game and i'm gonna Church, run it yeah yeah. I guess I guess I'm falling on the indie game that I'm running on Friday. I guess that is um, okay. It's a hard conversation here. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, one one of the things that um, actually brought this conversation up is um, Blades in the Dark because you're gonna be running Blades yeah, in the Dark. I'm running Blades right? in the Dark. Yeah, and um, I was listening to an episode of The Gauntlet where they were talking about Blades in the Dark, and uh, this is when the quick starts were just coming out before the book has come out. And so, you know, Jason Cordova, the host of that show, has kind of, he's, he's sort of changed his opinion on Blades in the Dark after reading the full book. 
But when presented with the rule set in quick start form, he was very disappointed with it because he felt it was too much of a trad game and not enough of an indie game. And what he was sort of postulating at that point was that at that point in like 2015 on Kickstarter, it was the most wildly successful indie game that had ever happened. The no, no indie game had ever made that kind of money. It was like almost 200K, right? And so, and I remember this, is that John Harper on the Kickstarter said, oh, the game is done. The game is done, guys. Don't worry. This thing is going to, we're going to make our deadline because it's already written. And I was like waiting for it to come out and it came out like two years late, right? Because he's like, I'm changing things. I'm just, stuff's changing, right? And so Cordova was hypothesizing that what changed was um, a bunch of trad gamers saw the Kickstarter for it, loved the art and the idea, and they pledged it, and then they got their quick start packets, and they were like, this isn't a fucking real game. This is like, what's this nonsense? Like, moves and shit? Where's my skills? Where's my skill list? And so he started scrambling because he had, like, thousands of people he had to get this game to and who were going to be pissed because they were getting a game that they didn't really, they didn't understand in a certain way. So he had to kind of, like, move the meter over to uh, what, what you were talking about, which is like this 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 halfway point where <clears throat> on some level trad gamers can get into it, but you're starting to like lose your indie gamers. You know what I'm saying? Because it's too complex. Now, that having been said, like very recently, he Jason Cordova got the book and he read the whole book cover to cover and he says he really, really likes it. So I think that there is a happy medium that like trad gamers and indie gamers can live within. And that's sort of like my next question. So as trad gamers who are coming to indie games kind of like late in our careers and trying to kind of like midlife crisis style, like rediscover ourselves and reinvent ourselves, where do you think the balance is? I'm not really qualified to answer that question. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, Am I going to come in here, like you said, as the midlife like white guy am? Is let me tell you everything there is to know no, about no. your game. I'm not. I'm not going to. I don't want you to create a manifesto that you think that all indie gamers need to get on your level with. All right. I just want you to speak to your experience. That's all. I mean, we all and we have experience with this. What I right? will say is is the issues I've had with trad games and the thing that draws me towards indie games is I prefer stories over rules i prefer experiences over skills and those sorts of things and that's what i find very attractive about the indie game world the thing i don't necessarily like about the osr slash indie game world is the um there's a certain element of kind of randomness to all of it where you can't necessarily get away with constructing you know a story where you have a a a dedicated rule set and a very you know hashed out system you can start to get an idea of where things are going and how things might occur um and in some of these looser systems that may or may not be the case yeah that's true i remember when you and i first encountered houses of the blooded all those years ago when we you and i were like neck deep in right. trad Still game have world my copy of it signed by john wick and we were like we played it together at that uh-huh. demo i mean john wick must have been a much like less well-known developer at that point because right. he was there demoing the fucking game at the store yeah, we, we, us. Didn't, we didn't know who he was yeah, i didn't know who he was i'm like who is this guy I, don't know him. I remember us both walking away from that demo and being like that game was fucking amazing and then we both were like but this thing where you can't really plan your session because everybody's just going to be making up the story with you, right. that kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, huh, it was, remember that? Yeah, I couldn't figure out a way to work it because I was sitting there going, so I have to cede all this control to the players. 
And you can do that, but you can't, you know, as you were saying with the one, two, three sessions, you can't really plan a long running chronicle that way. Whereas if I sit down for vampire, I can have a pretty good idea of these are the beats I want to hit. <laughs> these are the people are going to be in it. And this is what the players can do to throw off the plans. But otherwise, you know, this thing's going to happen in this set way. And this story is going to develop in one of these, you know, maybe two, three, four ways. In, in a vampire game, you can definitely like plan out where you can like look at your player and be like, in the third year of this this campaign and i don't mean third campaign year i mean the third year that we're playing it right like we're gonna be doing a story about this you know you can do that you can you can plan on that kind of detail right and so that's the thing is you know do you as a dm as a games master dungeon master whatever you want to call it are you willing to cede that level of control to your players or do you still have this idea in your head of oh i've got this really cool story i want my players to experience i've got this really cool world i want them to go into and can I give that up? Can I let them dictate the terms to me and be truly collaborative? So that's that's one of the big differences. And that's kind of where the happy medium is, is how do I make a world that, that explores the things I want to explore, but still allows the players but enough freedom to interact with it how they want? You're right. And you're, you're right uh, for the most part there. However, I think the thing to remember is a lot of this is that is it the the dungeon master DM whatever you want to call them right they they in these type of games they guide the discussion right in and traditional so they get to games frame they are it in God. ways but but they get to frame it in ways that they can drive it in ways they want essentially you know so you get you you still get a lot more you, it's collaborative but you get to frame the conversation you can to a we're degree we're going to be talking about you know XYZ today instead of like you know ABC I mean, you've dealt with difficult players, right? Sure. I, mean, I was one of them. Well, and hey. it's just, they can derail all of your best this is laid the, plans. And it's much easier for them in indie games to do that. This is this is interesting. You bringing up the, the difficult player. Because when I hear people talking about indie games, I don't hear near as much about difficult players as I do when I hear people talking about trad games. It's all, It's almost as though people self-select out of indie games if they are the type of person that's going to go into a trad game and start making a bunch of problems you know i could see that I, mm. it, it's it, and i i because when i'm thinking about indie games i'm always like oh what if i get some real obstinate guy who comes in here and tries to like bully everybody and make it all about himself and wants to wants to take over using dice rolls and stuff and then i realize a person like that is going to be put off by the entire idea of this game. You're going to pitch it to them, and they're going to be like, oh, "I don't want to even deal with it. I don't even want to play that game." Now, yeah. you know, now I'm in, in infinite, infinite combinations and infinite possibilities. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure there are certain guys who show up at Dungeon World sessions to like flex on other people. I'm sure it happens, but it's going to be so much harder. I mean, PvP in Dungeon World. I mean, like, because it's all about like it's all about just narrating, and then every so often the 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 storyteller guy will be like, make a roll, right? So you can't sit there and like crunch a power build and then use it to enforce your will on another player character. Right. You know what I'm saying? All those questions of like, well, what's more powerful, a wizard or a fighter? In Dungeon World, it's like, who fucking cares? What's the story? Like, how are you going to narrate being more powerful than the wizard? How's the wizard going to power narrate being more powerful than you? It's a, it's 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 like pages in a book rather than like statistics. I guess you know the question saying? is: Does that allow dominant personalities then to kind of? 
take over a little more than they do in other games. I think I think you probably have to be a little bit more extroverted and open right. with your creativity to play indie games. If you're if you're going to be like a wallflower type person, you're going to have a really hard. Yeah, time. see, as an introvert, that's one of those things that I've always kind of struggled with. Is it's like how do you how do you do that? How do you strike that balance? How do you right? You know how how do you as an introvert? Affect I feel the game like world? in your gaming personality, you've kind of gotten over the idea of being an introvert, though. Yeah, I, I have. Adam who runs of Ponies of Sin, I can't picture as <laughs> is an introvert. Here's it's a, here's, a learned behavior, though. Here, yeah, here's sure. The, here's the thing about Adam is that is and this this rings true for both of us is um. There's a certain type of introvert I've read about in like mm-hmm. psychological articles or whatever that tracks to observers as being an extrovert where it's like you're constantly you talk and you're and you're and you're kind of like loud and you and you call a lot of attention to yourself but then you find these um, interactions to be wearying. It's draining, yeah. and, and then when you and when you're done, you go home and you just collapse right. into a pile so and you sleep. There's introverts, there's extroverts and there's ambiverts and who can switch between the two and there it's a spectrum. And so it's one of those things where you have these introverts who have these very gregarious outgoing personalities, but it's all kind of an act, you know, it's, it's a, it's a thing that you put on. And it's one of those things, like even in, in my job in the corporate world, when I was in management, when I was in leadership, I just put on this face every day. I just got up every morning and I looked at myself in the mirror, like Patrick Bateman style and kind of wiped the steam off of it. And I said, (laughs) today we're going to pretend to be the biggest venture asshole that we possibly can. And this is going to be who we are. Your business cards will go Right, exactly. Yeah, with that the, Lewis Carruthers with his amazing business yeah, card. Subtly is the subtle off-white coloring. Is that papyrus? My God, it even has a watermark. Um, and so, you know, every morning I'd kind of do that thing, and it, it just got to the point where it was so draining. Where after doing it for two years, I was this isn't who I am. I don't even recognize this thing staring back at me anymore. You know, as as a GM, um, when I run a role playing session, like. Everybody kind of like packs up their stuff and they leave my house, and I just go collapse you on just the couch. Deflate. I just go collapse on the mm-hmm. couch. Or if I'm at a con game and stuff, I'll sit there and I'll smile and I'll pump everybody's hands and I'll slap their backs and tell them how a great time I had. I go home, fall in the bed, take a nap yep. because I'm exhausted. It fucking wipes me out doing that thing of like, hey guys, let's all have fun. Yeah, it just, it you wipes really have me to psych yourself out. up. I was psyching oh, myself yeah. up on Saturday before I ran my game where I'm like, yeah. okay, okay. Oh yeah, get pumped, get pumped. All right, we got to do this. Or <laughs> we do the same Sunday, thing. The, but, the, yeah. the, the whole like leading up till to noon. I got there at noon, and mm-hmm. the, the first the first three four hours of my day was like, all right, we're gonna do this thing. We're yeah. gonna fucking do this thing. We're just gonna go. We're gonna go yeah. three hours in and out, done, and then you can just yeah. Can, see, I got class. there. I had a beer. I was like, I'm gonna lubricate myself a little bit. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do this. And it was one of those things. Where it was you know one of the people who was supposed to go, and I was like, hey, it was supposed to start a half hour ago. And I'm like, yeah, I know what I got. <laughs> I, I need to work myself up to it yeah yeah <laughs> so i got a question just on a totally unrelated well it's, it's well, yeah, unrelated bring to the topic it, bring it bring it we'll do but this it's, question, related, we'll get, we'll get it's related to what stuff. he just brought up yeah let's hear it uh how did your game go this is ponies of sin right oh, okay let's let's this, this, we've segued nicely into the next topic what are you is, doing what we've been up to lately yes, yes. what and have you been up to lately what have we been up to lately so we did we went to um crit hit sandy, sandy lost you guys did i did not i spent the night i spent the weekend doing other things oh fair uh, enough swell good for no you. i've been i've been trying to take my weekend back so i get more work done on my own project you know like mm. We'll get, we'll, we'll get into the project yeah. recap here in just a second. So we did Crit His, Sandy Lost 2. Adam and I were there. We were both running games. Um, that's Jim Miller's con. It's like his Halloween horror f- 
horror themed con. He runs it Boulders on Broadway, which is a great little local bar right. in Tempe, Arizona. Um, nice little venue. It's got this nice little upstairs. It's very like secluded, so you can get up there. You can nerd out. You can do your thing. Yep, people completely forget about you while you're up there. Especially the wait staff. Especially you just, the wait staff. Just sitting there with your empty beer, <laughs> wondering like, Am going, I- hey, I ordered some steak tacos two hours ago. Or those? Go- <laughs> oh, you didn't put them in. Okay, oh cool. yeah, Thanks. yeah. Thanks. Do you like that? How that guy, the waiter, like tried to save his tips at the very end. He's like, oh, we're just so short staffed today. And I was yeah. like, I hate and then you. you look downstairs and you're like, there's three other tables in here, dude. <laughs> Let's be honest us with each other yeah he hated us the guy with the dreads he hated yeah, us he did not like us anyway so um him. so we were there and uh adam you ran ponies of sin for the I second time right ponies of sin for the second time yes so how'd that go uh it went pretty well uh they they took a totally different track with it this time one that i had anticipated but a different track than happened the first time uh the first time the players were very much invested in like the idea of the ponies and friendship and cooperation and everything and this time I only had two players. The third player didn't show up. Um, and they very quickly latched onto the idea of um, the Cenobites are only there. They're only remaining because uh, normally what happens is you summon them. They, they flay you and kill you. And then they go back to their dimension. Well, the ponies can't die because of the power of friendship. So their idea was, well, what if we just, reject friendship and break that bond and become a bunch of like murderous selfish assholes um then the cenobites will surely return to their own dimension right because at that point uh the ponies can die and so it was a a totally different take on it whereas the first one they they won the day through the power of friendship and everything kind of returned to normal at the end in this one (laughs) there were just a bunch of corpses left in like carrying heaps at the end of it i really like the sort of post-modern take your players out of this they were just like fuck friendship you yeah know? that's kind of was... interesting for your development of the module because it got you to look at like a completely different mindset and like uh, uh approach the problem solving like right. how are you going to account for that as you're writing the module did you okay question mm-hmm. did you think that that was an acceptable and satisfying outcome to the scenario yes it was a completely satisfying acceptable outcome and it was one that i thought people might eventually reach uh the problem with it is is it fast tracks everything in that game it's very quick um yeah you can basically skip a lot of the other stuff and just kind of go to the well if we just let all the other ponies die then the cenobite ponies disappear and we don't have to worry about them at all i feel like this is like one of those games where like you segue and and yeah you're ruling but you're ruling a kingdom of dust you know like oh it definitely (laughs) was by the end of it the princess came out because one of the the first scenes is you're in the the out in the equestria and there's all the other ponies and you're kind of and derpy hooves runs around with the puzzle box and unleashes these cenobite ponies and they start torturing everybody you run to the crystal castle to talk to the princess there um and she you know the the cenobite ponies immediately are drawn there given the concentration of all the other ponies there they break the door in um the stained glass windows all implode inwards uh one of them failed their body check so took a face full of glass that blinded them um and then the princess is is impaled on the wall by the needles that the lead pony bad horse pulls out of his face and throws through her wings uh, and then he pulls her face off and attaches it to his nipple rings as like this grim trophy um yeah and so the end of it you know is like her coming out with this like skull face visage and everything else um 
And they still got to that point by the end of it because she's not quite dead. She's just horribly disfigured. Yeah, just horribly disfigured. Just that's, horribly that, disfigured. That's it's, it, God. It's just it. And it's stop not being such a baby. Stop, stop, stop crying thing. about it, you weenies. Um, so, yeah, you know, there are certain beats I want to hit with the story, like certain horrific elements I want to get in there. Um, but yeah, they totally short circuited a lot of the, a lot of the middle parts and a lot of the the moralizing and everything else, and just like, oh yeah, we'll just kill our way through this entire thing and and be this destructive force. So now that you've seen how that plays out, mm-hmm. are you going to write some additional scenes to give players who take that route? I'm more? going to have to because it's too quick. Otherwise, it, it goes way too fast if I just let you go straight like whoop. Yeah. Through that. Um, yeah. So it was one of those things in module design where it's like, oh, yeah, if, if I... It, and it's one of those things that I think a lot of modules get wrong is there's this presupposition of the, the characters are going to yes. be good. They're going to be heroes. Yeah. And so yes. they'll do these things and they'll save the orphanage. And it's like, well, what if instead of saving the orphanage, they're just like stabbing these kids in the face as they run out of the burning <laughs> orphanage? What does that do to the game? Because it breaks the contract of right. the module. It breaks the contract of the game. Yeah. And so it's a we question of... We demand payment from your orphans before we will take you out of this fire. Right. <laughs> do do you design for that or do you just go, well, that's not a thing you can do. You're not allowed to do that. And I feel a lot of Dungeons and Dragons modules say, you're not allowed to do that. Same with that's Pathfinder. That's not okay. And Pathfinder, right. They, you have they, to be good. You're not they, allowed to be bad. Yeah, it's like they, they refer to the characters as the heroes and then they they the way that the the narrative is written is like almost this kind of of course right. the players take this ridiculous hook and of course they behave in this unbelievably predictable it, manner and if i'm going to put something out called ponies of sin i don't think i get away with saying you have to be good you yeah can't no be evil no yeah yeah you, it has to be a legitimate choice to be evil have you watched hellraiser 2 recently i have not watched hellraiser is that the one with the church no, I think you're, no, that's, that's the third, third one. one. That's the third one. Okay, I don't. Your 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 narrative here is, is very similar to Hellraiser three. I can. I'm 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 really ca- getting the imagery from that that mm-hmm. you that, that, that you experienced, but I think you should take a minute and watch Hellraiser two. Okay. Because uh, it's the evil story of the guy who wants to plant the evil. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of um, kind of like. You get a lot of ideas about the consequence of going into into their world and right. what goes on there, and I think that that might give you some... Uh, I will say the first game played a lot more like Hellraiser 1. Uh, the second game played a lot more like Hellraiser 3, and so uh, I'm very interested to, to kind of see how it develops, but yes, that's a, that's a good takeaway because I did watch, actually, Hellraiser 1 and Hellraiser 3 within the past two years. So I should probably go through and watch some of the other ones. Hellraiser some of them are really hard to sit through. Okay, okay, look, okay, look. Which Here's... one's the one with the spinning CDs? Is that... That's Hellraiser 3, three, three. three. Okay, no that's the one that I'm thinking sucks. of. Like, man, that thing was ridiculous and oh, bad and man. hard to We have through. some good scenes, but that, that's yeah. the The church scene is good. You know, like, you know I remember what? the church scene being you know, very okay, good. You know what, guys? We are not going to argue about this on air, okay? Because I have some very strong feelings about everything that you're saying, and we will completely derail this podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, I could it's talk fair. for the but rest anyway, of this podcast about ponies what you were of saying. sin. I had fun running it again. All right, good. Okay, it was good to see you there. It was. Good. I'm glad that you had a table that was so into what you were doing. I'm glad that you're having an opportunity to get more play testing and to get more kind of like feet on the ground for that. Um. I ran my second pre-alpha playtest of Ravenous, my vampire horror game, uh, at the same convention. I was there. I was there also, and um, 
So we did two play tests last week. These are the pre-alphas because the rule set is not fully done. And I was there for the first one. You were there for the first one. Um, Jim Miller was there. We had Richard Newby on, on hand. We had young Dustin. And then I got to meet some uh, new friends at uh, at uh, Crit Hit, uh, a gentleman named Michael, who was a baller-ass fucking role player. He tore it the fuck up. Our good friend Jared, who we met at Crit Hit 2 last summer, he played Beneath with Justin and you and I and some other guys. Uh, and then uh, Alex, who wrote yep. the theme music, uh, sat at my table for this game. And, so, and Richard joined you again. <laughs> Richard came back. Yeah, Richard reprised the role that he had played in the, in the first pre-alpha. And uh, there have been a number of developments in the game, in the writing, the writing has gone really well. And I am happy to report to everybody that's listening to this and tracking the progress. And I've gotten some really, really kind words from people on Instagram who, who have explained, displayed their enthusiasm for the product. And I just want to say thank you. It means a lot to me that people are out there and they actually care about this project and that they want to see it come to fruition. And it's going to, and we are more than halfway there. We are over halfway uh, I will have a play test in alpha. Well, this isn't even alpha. This will be a beta play test, an open beta play test document available for you. Like let's say the first week of December, first week of December. And, uh, if I don't email you, if I don't mail you rather a hard copy of the rule set, I will email you a PDF because I want people to check it out. And I've had a lot of people show interest in that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell people a lot about what's in it. I'm not going to spoil that. I just want to say that there have been some very dramatic uh, advances made in what we're doing. Yeah, so so uh, for those that don't know, we're all like, we all, f- one of the things we, we've done recently is we formed sort of a coalition of people developing their own games. Uh, all three of us are in it. Uh, so is Jim Miller, so is Richard Newby. Yeah. And Britain out in California. Britain. What up? Shout out, Bryn. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're all developing our own games right now. Some are developing model, uh, uh, modules. Others are developing games. And um, Brendan is the one that's furthest on the track right now. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's been a fun journey. It has. It has. It's. I highly recommend it to anyone who's thinking about it. If you're sitting at home tootling around with some ideas in a notebook and a binder. Just do it. Just fucking do it. Get your buddies together and just start running some shit. Put put your ideas down in a form that's legible. Yeah, I think it... I don't know. I, I guess part of the exposure to, to this, a lot of the developers that we've met over the... You know, doing the show and, and uh, you know, traveling around a little bit. And, and um, you know, I think, I think, like, when we first met John Wick, he was like, so you're working on a game? when are you going to publish? You know, like, like, when are you going to fucking do yeah, it? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like everybody says they're working on a game and they fucking work on a game for years, 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 years and they fucking right. do it. You never fucking get it done, you know, like. Yeah. And, and so that was sort of sticking in the back of my head and then and then meeting um, Justin Soroy was actually like a real kick in the pants. Dude, okay, Justin, and I've, he, I've been talking to him a little bit lately, he is like, as a person, I mean, if, you, if you're familiar with this podcast, you're probably familiar with our relationship with Justin and we've known him for a while. We are big believers in this product. He currently has uh, beneath the sequel, Spire and the Sound, is up on Kickstarter. By the way, we'll get yep. let's talk about that in a little bit more detail in just a second here. Um, 
but we really believe in him, and I'm really just happy to say that he believes in us. And when we met him this summer for Crit Hit, when he came out to run some Beneath for all of us, it was like having a, like a muse, like living in my house. Like he and I drove all over Phoenix. We stayed up late into the night talking about role playing games, and that fucker like just he, like changed my brain. It was like hanging out with Gandalf or some shit. I felt really motivated just after meeting him at Crit Hit. Honestly, like yeah, it was it was really impressive. Like the the energy that exudes out of that guy is. It's 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 paradigm changing. It's fucking game changing. It's crazy. So I mean, I came up with the concept for Ravenous while I was sitting at the table playing beneath the inverted church with with Justin. He was describing a scene, and I had my character sheet with my notepad next to me, and it just hit me. Like this little spark just hit my brain, and I just like flipped the sheet over and I just started writing. I started writing, and then I wrote, I pretty much just wrote in my spare time for like two weeks after he had left. Like, I mean, it couldn't, I couldn't get it out fast enough. It was one of those deals. So we're very, 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 very fortunate to, to have him. And what I would circle. say to people is the big difference between a creative and, and, you know, someone else or a normal person or whatever it is, is I talk a big game about, oh, I don't care about anything. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, I'm like a conclad. I'm, I'm a cool dude. And I'm, <laughs> Ride I'm, that I'm motorcycle. Shit. But deep beneath it is this fear of rejection. Mm. Um, this absolute fear of what if I put this thing out and everybody thinks I'm a fucking idiot? What if mm. they go, fuck this guy? What a piece of shit. He doesn't know anything. And so... You should be used to that by now because I tell you that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Thank you, Ben. And I was going to say, you're my muse. Keeping um, us down to earth, buddy. And so... <laughs> it's and and the creative person kind of can suppress that voice and go, hey, you know what? I need to create this. It it doesn't need to be yeah. good, but it needs to exist. And I'm going to drag this thing kicking and screaming. Anybody can criticize. And once you have the first draft of something, you can criticize it into something better and criticize it into something better. But you have to get that first draft out. And if you're not willing to go through that process, you'll never get to where you want to be. And it was, I think actually I heard Dan Harmon articulate that uh, in, mm. in a podcast where he was talking about the process. And he's a guy that I, you know, respect and, and fear for, you know, his sanity <laughs> at the same time. Um, but yeah, you just, you have to get out there and you have to create something. And you know what, if it sucks, it sucks, but at least you did it. And most people never, never towed the starting line. You know, when I started thinking about it. I was like, it was a lot like my journey when I decided like, Hey, I want to do like a half marathon or something. Like I had to get it, get past the idea of, you know, Oh, I can't win or I can't be like, you know, and I just had to go, you just have to get to the starting line. You have to tow the starting line. You have to go. And it's not about winning. It's just about being there and about the experience. You yeah. know, even yeah. these guys who are, you know, big in the industry, it's not like all their ideas are fucking great all the time. You know, no, it's true. And yeah, and I've, heard, I've heard 24 karat gold. Yeah, no, no. And I've heard, I've heard them talk about like, about like, you know, some of the early ideas that sucked ass and then they like, like revisit it later, you know, like, mm-hmm. like after they've gotten success and they've figured out what it is to be a designer and like what it is to like actually be successful, what they need to do. They've gone back and revisited some of their old ideas and improved them <laughs> way more than they were back then. Well, I mean, uh, Aloy LaSanta's uh, Ninja Crusade is unrecognizable from his first edition. It's so funny because you look at that thing on the front, it says second, ed- second edition. And I, I, when I saw him at Gen Con, I was like, is this the second edition? He goes, oh yeah, the first edition was called this other thing. Like it's called like Wuxing or something like that. Which I've seen in the used bookstore. I, I picked it up it in around. The, when I was with you that one yeah. time. 
But this is a, I mean, it's a great game. It's a fucking great game. And you can't overlook it. It's not like, I mean, you see these Wuxing books sitting around, you're like, eh, whatever. But this game, you can't overlook. Yeah, I, I was thinking about buying it, but I was like, eh, it looks really generic. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> had an anime exactly. cover. You were just like, I reject it for that reason. No, actually, Wuxing didn't really have anime covers. It really oh, I, thought you, I thought we were talking about Ninja Crusade. No, Ninja Crusade, I haven't rejected. I've, oh, okay. I'm yeah. only giving Ninja Crusade a shot. But uh, so yeah, I, f- I did the second play test. Everything's going really well. Everything's uh, proceeding apace. I have two illustrators that I've been talking to, and I have agreements. I have uh, very tentative agreements with both of them. We've established some prices. Um, it's just a matter of getting the ball rolling on that. I think that we're going to see a Kickstarter. We're going to we're going to see it. We're going to see an open beta in December. We're going to see a Kickstarter early next year, as if things stay on pace. I'm very very excited and I really appreciate all the hard work and effort that people put into the game. Uh, the ideas people have helped me work through. Um, thank you to everybody who's been involved. And I just, I hope that everybody who listens to this podcast continues to, 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 uh, pay kind of attention to what's going on with the game and, and get excited about it because, um, I'm, I'm making it, I'm making it for sort of who I imagine is listening. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, 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 in the conversations that I've had, subsequent to sort of letting people know that I'm working on this game, it turns out there's a lot more people out there that are dissatisfied with the state of like supernatural horror role-playing than just me. I thought it was just me and I was basically writing this thing for myself and it turns out there's a lot more people out there. And so if you're kind of like looking at your options for uh, like gothic horror role-playing and you're like, I don't. I, I can't relate to that. I don't want to play that. I. It's my great hope that I am writing a game for you. It's, it's interesting because because you say that like, like you're you're dissatisfied with that. That's why you're producing. I'm dissatisfied with what I'm do with with the sort of genre I'm working on, which is why I'm working on that one. How is your game going? By the way, you're also that. that it's, it's your turn to report in. Oh um yeah uh so in this group I submitted uh, what I. Completed up till this point. Um, now I've been through multiple rewrites, and I've been like working like I, I, I every time I've I've sort of like come back to it. I've um, I've been trying to sort of like move away away from like a real sort of like Eastern idea of a game and and Westernize what it is that I'm doing, you know, and uh, take take it take it take a take Eastern fantasy and blend it w- with Western. So. Uh, the later rewrites that I've been doing have been more focused on that, and so the stuff that I've given given uh, to the group to to go over, which I guess I'm getting uh, critiqued this weekend. You are, you up are for critiqued. Yeah, you yeah. and you and Brinton, Brinton's uh, um, fantasy fantasy setting is mm-hmm. a, a system agnostic fantasy setting that um, that I've taken I've taken a look at, and if I make loss, Brinton because he's not here to do it for himself. It's fucking fucking amazing, BT Dubs. Anyway, proceed. Yeah, I look forward to reading. It. I haven't actually read his yet. Um, I spent this weekend, like I said, I I, uh, I did about four thousand words on my game. I think that like uh, what I submitted was about nine pages, I think, and I think that um, I have another like five pages on top of that now. Oh, nice. Um, so I started working on the, uh, you know, you come up with new terminology for your game. Uh, you know, rather than call it GM, I'm calling it the Arbiter. And uh, I was working a lot on that section this weekend. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I I decided to go ahead and approach this in, in a fashion where I, I, I want it to be a narrative game, but I also wanted it to be my own system. Um, I There's part of me that, like, I don't know, that's very that's analytical enough and dislikes, you know, certain, certain systems that exist in, like, narrative games. 
and um, I decided that I wanted to do my own because of that. Uh, so you're the most adept with math. Yeah, you were a here. math major once upon a time, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so that is correct. probably you're really good. Not, at that I stuff. mean, I can show you the dice trees that I've worked out for this game. Like they're kind of bizarre and crazy. Yeah, um, that are kind of fun. Not too much but, of a stretch, then I think. All right, but, good but, to know. But it's not. It's not like it's not like it, it's going to matter all that much because when it all comes down to it, it's going to be a very narrative feeling where you like make your roll and you're going to have like a, a, a partial success or a full success. You know. Um, and then the, I think it's going to matter more to the arbiter a little bit. It's going to require a little bit more work on the arbiter's part, um, to sort of like figure out where that's going. So, okay, cool, cool. Well, that's a, that's a good check in on everybody and how they're coming with their games. Um, yeah, on schedule wise, schedule wise, I, um, I don't think that I can be as aggressive with Brendan on my schedule as my schedule. Uh, but, but if I am not, at a point where I have a completed game that I can send out to people to develop by next summer, I'm going to be crying. Oh yeah. I'm going to be crying too as I beat you up <laughs> while you cry. So, cause you've been working on your game longer than anybody. I have. I you, have. You, you've got like a year on everybody. And so you need to be done. I, I agree. I agree. hundred percent. It's already late. bitch. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, I the, what I've done has changed quite a bit from from what it was originally. It has. Was. You've done like a couple. You've done like three complete rewrites at this point, where you've just taken everything you've written, scrapped it, and started over from square one. So yeah. So you're, you know, like like I, I don't know how people feel about this out there, but like, you know, anytime someone says like I'm gonna run like an Eastern fantasy game, and they they you, you start getting this picture like like oh there's some fucking anime anime art on the cover, and there's like you know like like a bad bad. Like uh, Chinese or Japanese Cherry terms, drifting like, on the wind. Yeah, and fuck that. Like that's not what I want. You know, like, like uh, I, I want the I want some of the ideas and concepts and behind like the fantasy there, but I want it accessible. You know, without that sort of like crappy anime look. You know, good, so, fair cool, enough. cool. Well, we look very forward to uh, playtesting some of your material as well, me amigo. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I look forward to doing it. I think it's gonna be fun. Good. Uh, so I, I I hesitate to ask out of fear, but anybody play anything lately? I know. Okay, I know that we ran our game. Ravenous. Right. We ran our games. <laughs> yeah, we ravenous. Yeah. We we've basically done play testing. I still haven't been able to close a deal on that Giovanni session. I can't. I just can't get it with with everything that's going on with like the hellishness of work, with uh, the writing, with the play testing, with the the glory that is Star Trek Discovery. I just can't seem to get a ravenous or a, a Giovanni off the ground. I, I like I like Giovanni, but. But, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, I think that what we're doing is a lot more, uh, you know, helpful to us in the long term, you know, working on our own games and like, you know, I think that's very beneficial. Well, it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding work. And I, I feel kind of sad and bashful in a certain way that we didn't get started on it earlier as a younger men. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier at work today. Yeah, I was like, why yeah. the fuck did we do this earlier? I, I think it's because we were immature. I think yeah. it's because we didn't really know what we wanted out of life. And it's just, it's kind of sad. We're kind of like late bloomers, you know, here we are like with middle age, looking down the barrel middle age and like, you know, we have to make some decisions about who it is that we are and what it is we're doing. Remember, son, it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't. Like yeah, that time I killed like, a man. So, so, so it's interesting. It's true. <laughs> so it's interesting. Like, like I was just talking about, like you know, me not liking, me not being like uh, uh, secure and like being a creative person, and um, and I was thinking like, what if I, what if I like make this game and people think like, oh, it sucks or whatever. But maybe the system's kind of cool and like, 
And I thought, well, so what? That's fucking great anyway. You know, yeah. like, yeah. that's fine. Like, that's sweet. And if the reverse happens, that's fucking great too. I'll be happy, you know? Like, you know, you know here's the thing. Worst case scenario, you put it on drive through RPG for pay what you want, and every couple months somebody kicks you five bucks and you buy a beer, you know? Yeah. So, listen, if Tommy Wiseau can make the room. <laughs> <laughs> You can oh, make your game boy. happen. <laughs> all right. So, okay, guys. So, we haven't been playing any games. All right. Shame on us. Giovanni's Chronicles is going nowhere. Adam doesn't have a regular game. Ben doesn't have a regular game. But that's going to change soon. Oh, yeah. So, that's about to change because Ben has uh, started our uh, our Full Metal RPG Club. You want to talk about that for a second, Ben? Yeah. So, I think we mentioned this on the air before that we were going to... We did. We did. Start, but, you know, starting in October, we were going to do some... Uh, some gaming at our local game store. We were gonna like you know put on some games with people, try and expose people to different types of games. Something that happened when I was when I was younger. You know I got exposed to a lot of different games through like a club at a game store. And yeah, this we're type doing of thing this for the children, for the children, for the, for the young adults, whatever you want to fucking call them, doesn't matter. Yep. Um. But yeah, that's uh, that's what we're gonna do. And, we're giving uh, back because we're, uh, you know, real stand up guys. We're giving individuals who care about upholding the social contract i'm running blades of the dark you're running 13th age 13th age and i think brendan's running lamentations he is running yes lamentations with a dcc kind of feel to it so like um, uh he's using a system but he's running like a dcc module kind of right, thing correct and yeah i'm gonna try to get my my 10 year old to come out and play and we're gonna see how it goes and we're gonna you know, oh that's kind of rad is he gonna play in your game is he gonna play in one of ours um I talked to him about it. I think he'll probably end up playing in my game just because he's he kind of has a difficult time playing with people he doesn't know. So I'm going to try to get him to come out and play 13th Age. I'll just give him a Barbarian because they're real easy to play. You just hit shit with an axe. So I think that'll be pretty straightforward with or for him. And 13th Age is a really great system. That The, the more you, you can, tell me about 13th Age, the more I want it. It just sounds fucking great. I, it's I mean, pretty cool. I, like, armor is, you know... Hey, you're this class. This is what light armor is. This is what heavy armor is. This is what a shield gets you. And so there's none of that arguing over like, oh, should I wear this to get the? And it's just like, nope. This is the chart. You I, know, I, I just, I just wish the cover of that book was better. The oh cover, yeah, the cover's not very. Good it's so ugly. The art in in all of their supplements is lackluster uh, um that's it, just terrible. It's one of those things. It's one of the disappointing parts about the game, but. You know, if you can get past that, it's a really solid game and a really solid system. So I'm right. looking forward to running it for yeah, people and, and kind of seeing how it works. You know, I um, I joined this group. I mean, I, 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 are we good about on the game club? Are yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. discussed that. Okay, I um, we're we're on to the uh, what shit have you bought segment, and then we'll talk about uh, beneath too, and then we'll we'll call it for the night if you guys are getting antsy. So um, in the uh annals of what have you bought recently um i joined this group on g plus because i'm trying to be on g plus more and there's a lot btw if you're not to jim jim says that's like the best thing to if be you're on not on g, if you're not on g plus you're really missing out yeah, there's not really anything else going on on google plus so i, I imagine yeah no seriously it's like it's this, it's, it's this weird it's little town. it's this weird little like uh rpg gamer like sub internet mm. and you can kind of hang out with like just whoever on there just talking about role-playing games like all fucking day it's fucking amazing anyway um I encountered this guy who wanted to run like uh, Skype versions of this game called Itris Buy. Have you heard of it? Anyway, no. sounds super fucking weird. It's like this super fucking weird game. I ordered it off drive-through. True story. So nice. it's on its way. 
Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I bought, like, a fucking ass ton of Death Guard. Like, fucking, uh, that Death Guard book came out, and it kind of, like, wrecked my writing for, like, a week, because I just, like, I seriously just sat, like, drooling over the goddamn Death Guard book and building, like, little, like, um, lists for, like, a week, and then I looked up and realized I hadn't done any writing on my game, and I had to get back to it. You so. need some discipline. I can't imagine spending that much on miniatures sight unseen oh jeez yeah, so much <laughs> so much fucking money on you dude you should see it i went from having like no death guard to having something like probably like three thousand points of death yeah guard. i went from having no primary space marines to having all the primary <laughs> space marines so yeah I, you and i are like really sick enablers we're just always enabling each other yeah like, we really do we're just kind of like oh do you want to try this sweet sweet age come home buddy yeah, it pretty much good. pretty much be dubs if those death guard from your dark imperium are ever starting to feel lonely here i was thinking like you know what? i think we're gonna get to that yeah you know who to call all right we'll you do know, my kid wanted call. him he wanted it to, to so it's like all right we'll see i bought the the nurgle rot little pot and i bought the death guard green spray can so hopefully i can throw some paint on him we'll see there you know. go there you go <laughs> oh you guys buy you guys want anything cool you guys gotta collect anything cool let's see what's the last thing i bought the last thing i bought Oh, I've just been like gradually like uh, grabbing books for games I'll probably never play. You know, like yeah, you've been on one of those tears, haven't you? I have, I have, and and I read about these like weird little games, and I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool, and I'll buy it, and then I'll just put it on my shelf. You know, and I've done that definitely uh, a few times over the last couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> I bought. A, I can't relate. I bought the book of loot, and then. Uh, like a little adventure book for 13th age thinking I might use them, but I was not really enamored of the adventure I bought. So I shelved that idea. Yeah. Um, it's like this fairly generic, Oh, there's this village and there's a bad wizard and he summons zombies. And I'm just kind of like, I'm wow. That's just very by the numbers. Isn't yeah. It? it was super duper. Just, uh, 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 I was sitting yeah. there going, man, you didn't even do anything interesting. Like the Witchfire trilogy did for iron kingdoms. Like you just went the, absolute bare minimum of effort you possibly could for this mm. so i'll probably end up trashing that and doing something different um i was thinking oh it'll jumpstart the chronicle and then i was like wow that is not what i want to do. just do your why don't you do a uh, death frost doom uh yeah i'll probably end up doing death frost <laughs> like death honestly frost, yeah. i love death frost doom so, so much that so easy i can run it as a 13th age thing with very little uplift uh, and it's it's a really great module if you don't have death frost doom go out and buy death get frost doom. death frost doom death frost doom if you don't have it it's like what are you really doing with your life right I mean, seriously like death frost doom 100 years over and over death frost doom death yeah. frost doom.com death frost doom or nothing 100 times over and over death frost doom yeah go get that yeah it's for amazing seriously. and it will change your life pretty much um yeah, the pedigree on it is also very good. It's Astounding. James Riggy and Zach Smith, and it's yeah, you, yeah. You can't go wrong. Um, so that might be a way to go with it too. Uh, so, so I bought right. those. Bought a bunch of Primaris Marines. That's 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 that portion of the show. Um, so let's talk about Kickstarter. Our, our good buddy Justin Soroyes. He is uh, launched beneath. Uh, it's not really beneath two. It's beneath the spire and the sound. It's um up there on uh kickstarter right now and he sent us a little preview copy he it's did like send us a i am excited copy. to read this preview copy. how things have changed in the last year or so i remember when we when we reached out to him and we were like hey man you want to like send us something so we could maybe review it and it was like he sent us this thing with like 
with like alligator clips on it, you know, holding like copies. And now this thing is like so nice. It's like this cool preview copy, not yep. for distribution. It's bound and everything. Nice it's got a bunch of cover. art in it. Yeah. It's, fingerprints all over it it's when really I grabbed cool. it just now. Oh, uh, were there? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah did, I you, did. did you ruin it? I have oily fingers. Well, the, the person, the real I'm person. I'm basically who, like half slug. The, look, look, the person who really ruined it was my mailman or uh, my postal worker, uh-huh. I should say, who decided that in order to get this into the. Um, mailbox i'm oh, not gonna i'm not i'm not gonna bend it the way it would bend i'm gonna right. take the spine i'm uh, just gonna bend that yeah like okay, <laughs> okay mailman you really proved how strong you are i guess thanks for ruining my book you asshole do you know who, why who he did that, that brendan do you know why he did that because fuck could. you that's why you, you know, that's exactly why you know why because i okay i live in an apartment and so I don't have a mailbox big enough for all the Warhammer shit I order all the time, which means that this guy's got to like fill out a little slip and put it into my mailbox, and then he's got to walk into the office and he's got to deliver my shit to them, yeah. right? And I think he's sick of it. I think uh, he's like, you need to stop ordering these fucking there's boxes. There's probably it's always somebody you, who asshole. has an Amazon addiction who's worse than you are. So well, one I think would, you're okay. One would think, but they might be delivered by the Amazon delivery service though, and they just like drop it off at your door. Anyway. They do on track, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, but so I will so say, they jacked up my copy. But looking at the preview, man, the, the there are some dudes in that that are packing some fucking heat. Okay, look, it's okay, a super guys, guys, point. like, all right, humor aside, this book is like super not safe for work. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> oh, if you back the Kickstarter, don't make the mistake I did and open the emails he sends you at work. Because that is not going to go well for you, and you yeah. will get a visit from your HR department. It, it's it's uh, happened to you. I did not get a visit from the HR department, but I did open one of the pictures and somebody was walking by and was like, what the? And I was like, right, close, 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 close. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's graphic. Really graphic. Super graphic, graphic is the word. And, um, I was talking to him about is it. Is it pornographic? And, well, everybody, you know, people have, I've heard people bandy about that word. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if. I obviously it is you know it deeply it, right? inspired right. by by some of that material, mm-hmm. but I was talking to Justin about it, and he what, what what his take was is he wanted he wants people to feel kind of uncomfortable when they're approaching the material, and he used his own self as like a litmus for that kind of like when you're writing horror and you are like if I'm scaring myself then hopefully other people are being scared yeah. And so he he really pushed the envelope as hard as he could on this one, and it really shows because yeah, mission accomplished. Whatever 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 freaky deaky shit was in book one ain't nothing compared to book two. Like I think I said this on my Instagram, but like seriously, you don't have a book like this in your collection. You do not own a book like this in your collection. You think you've got some like super super like eyebrow raising shit? I got a black dog book it's back like, in the day. You don't own anything like you this. You think you know like, me, but you have no idea. You're, 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 you don't you don't want your like your relatives to like find this on the coffee table when they cover for Thanksgiving, or maybe, oh, you, maybe do. you do. Or you maybe do. you do. Maybe you want. Maybe, Get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's maybe it's time to, to lay down is the a law. Thing. Maybe you want them to find it anyway. So um. <laughs> So 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 this book is this book is is uh it's very it's very eyebrow raising it's very just very disturbing uh in terms of utility there are some interesting things in it we get a map of Cragley if you were looking for if you were um looking for some more detail on that you get a map of the region surrounding Cragley for more sandboxy campaigns and for like really running the shit out of that area as a campaign and those two right there are selling points for me. 
So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I'm hoping to get uh, Justin on the show, and we're gonna do, maybe do like a little interview with him over the Skype. Uh, so this weekend upcoming is like terrible for me. So I'm hoping to get him next week. I'd like to have him on before the um, Kickstarter ends and have the episode up before the Kickstarter ends, so that you have an opportunity to really talk to him about that. So how deep are you in on that Kickstarter? Okay, well, you know what? Uh, here's here's what's crazy. I'm okay? calling you out. You are calling me out. I'm so calling you out. I, I, I actually have not pledged on that one yet. Ah, see, I'm and in it for the box. Oh, the box with the everything box, in it? The box, the fancy with the two minis and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm in it for the box. Interesting. I, you see, I... I just, I just, I just haven't done it yet. I just haven't. I, I need to do it. I'm going to do it. I just haven't. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm definitely pledging it. There's no like doubt in my mind that I. Oh will. yeah, and I'm gonna get the hardcover version, the hardcover level, because I have a hardcover that I'm gonna want to pair with my other one, and uh, we have another hardcover here that the plan always was that we were gonna like raffle it off or something as a pair when they were all out, and I, I, I originally thought it was gonna be a trilogy. But there's only gonna be two, so that means we only have one more book to get, and then we can do a little promotion to get to get those two I'm out. Usually, to somebody. the one is lagging on these things too. It's I'm surprised. Well, I I had a Kickstarter for this thing called um, what was it called? Swamp of Despair or something? It was a, it was a LOTFP module from mm. the guys who do um, uh, the Undercroft in England, and that just wrapped. But other than that, I really haven't been on Kickstarter very much. I've, I've been I, trying to reduce my time on there. Yeah, I just, I just haven't, I have, I haven't been on. And so, I'm here's here's the thing, FMRPG fans, I'm gonna back it. It's not gonna get through my through my web without being backed. Just haven't yet. It's we're we're on it. So that's something to look forward to. We're gonna have um. Justin on we're going to give a fuller review of this uh, material that he's that he sent to us in advance so um does anybody else have anything they want to talk about real quick no I think uh, I think that pretty much sums up what's going on with us all right great well ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for stopping by for another episode of Full Metal RPG we really appreciate you uh you know if you're a returning listener you probably know all this but if it's your first time listening let me go ahead and blast it out for you if you're going to get a hold of us, I recommend Instagram. I'm on there almost every single day. Uh, Full Metal RPG on Instagram. We have a Facebook page, Full Metal RPG on Facebook, and we take care of that a little bit. Uh, our good buddy Adam posts some excellent uh, fiction that he writes on our blog page, FullMetalRPG.com. You can also find links to all our previous shows on there. Uh, you might try getting a hold of us official at gmail.com if you need to email us directly something like long that you couldn't fit in on uh, Insta but if you do want to get a hold of us you want to reach out to me directly I still highly recommend the Insta it's the easiest slash fastest way alright ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us we'll see you again in a month thank you very much have a good night peace out good night